1: Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com.
2: Hi, I'm Sean Whetstone. I'm a happy hammer at the moment. You can find me on Twitter at West Ham Football. I also write for West Ham Till I Die blog and also another one called Clarendon
3: Hugh. Hi, I'm Jamie. I support Burnley FC. I host Burnley FC, podcast known and ever, and blog for ESPN about Burnley.
1: All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs of late. Sean, uh, West Ham seem to be playing better.
2: We're winning games. In fact, um, and I don't know we're doing, and I won't jump to the segment now to talk about our best moments of 2016. But you know what, there haven't been many until recently. So, yeah, we won our third back-to-back game. And unlike the other two, um, like I guess, you know, we didn't deserve really to win against Burnley or Hull City. Uh, I think we did deserve to win against um, Swansea. Um, And Jamie, please hush your your ears. We have played the three worst teams in the division uh, or, or three of the worst teams in the division but, you We're know, the we didn't turn up on the day. I think you a admit the, the, the problem is it is a re- I've said this. There are two tables, maybe three tables, actually, in this uh, Premier League this year. There's Chelsea. There, then there's the people going for the Champions League places. And then I think there's like seven points between all the other teams, like from seventh down to 20th. So there's no easy games. So you have to take your games. We've taken two one nils, and we've taken a four one away at Swansea, and Swansea seem to be in desperate trouble. Uh, well run club, you know, always prided for their financial stewardship for many years, and and they since their takeover they seem to have completely fallen apart. Um, and and I think they're going to be one to make up the the numbers. But, yeah, it's it's all good for West Ham. You know, we've jumped from... We were 18th place, by the way. I haven't been on the podcast for a while. 18th place a few weeks ago. Crazy world. We're now 11th after yesterday's 4-1 win. So everything's flying high. We, we don't... I can't say that everything's sorted. You know, when we play a, a, a big team, I'm sure the wheel's going to come off again because there's still a lot of problems. But for now, we're happy hammers. We're 11th place. We're not in the relegation. Our tails are up. Motivation is up. And just to reply on the Sun newspaper article this week, we are not about to become Red Bull London or West Ham Red Bull. Uh, I spoke to the chairman yesterday, David Sullivan. They, he did say six months ago he got an offer for 650 million to turn it into Red Bull West Ham, and he turned it down. So uh, we, we're not going to see. West Ham will not have wings at the London Stadium anytime time soon. <laughs>
1: That's probably good news, as everybody freaked out when that was brought up uh, in the past. Andy Carroll has come back in that period in which you've played so much better. Do you think that that's largely been the catalyst for you, or are there other factors that that were about to come out anyway?
2: Uh, no I, I I think I mean Andy Carroll's useful, um but yeah re- I mean apart from scoring a goal when we had the you know the match really wrapped up the other time he he looks very isolated, to be honest on his own. We've played three of the worst teams, and we've got lucky. I I, I won't say any on those first two games. We've got really, really lucky. You know, when you look at the stats, particularly with Hull, um, you know that they. I can see how aggrieved they would have been if I was on the other side in Hull's side and and walked away from a game like that where they hit the woodwork so many times. I mean, I don't know if you saw the joke, um, but the, the the post got nominated for man of the match. (laughs) <laughs> so that tells you everything. So, what what can I say? Andy Carroll, he is he's a big lump. He's he is uh, certainly someone who the opposition try and overmark, um, but I don't think you can put the three wins down to him. I'm afraid. I think luck, Lady Luck, has shined on us, and let's hope it shines as a, continues to shine on us in 2017.
1: Fair enough. And one last point, uh, Adrian no longer in goal on the regular, now it's Randolph. What what are your thoughts on that?
2: Absolutely, and well deserved to um to Randolph. He, he's an amazing shop stopper. And and he proved again yesterday against they pulled off an amazing uh save from that free kick. Um and you know, is probably earned us um six or six or more points. Um, from his heroics this season alone so there's no way adrian can get back in at the moment we've got two great goalkeepers which is brilliant fighting for their position
1: fair enough and jamie also good news from a different team wearing a very similar color palette uh you look so much better at home
3: yeah the, the contrast continues to to astound us really um that's six wins at home now this season. That's a very, very strong record. And if we'd got like anything away from home, we'd be sitting pretty towards uh, certainly mid-table. Um, but yeah, Middlesbrough at home is always going to be a big game. I think the fixture has probably been a bit kind for us over Christmas having Middlesbrough and Sunderland at home. Um, you really don't want to be away at this time of year certainly no long trips you don't want to be playing teams that you don't expect to get anything against so it was a high pressure game pretty low quality and to be honest it was one of those where a mistake or a moment of magic was probably going to be enough to settle it and I think Andre Andre Gray's goal was probably a, a little bit of both he's taken it very early got a lot of power behind it but goalkeeper of the reputation of Victor Valdez really should be keeping it out so I'm sure he'll be disappointed with that. Middlesbrough might feel like they should have got a draw out right of it, but I think we edged it. We were very professional in the way we controlled the game. The last 10 minutes after we scored, Middlesbrough didn't really have a chance. Tom Heaton had very little to do in goal. And yeah, you're absolutely right. At home, we were extremely solid. We looked like a Premier League team at home. It's just away from home. We look anything like anything but a Premier League team. The contrast is just incredible and you'd think we'd take momentum out of these home wins into away matches but it's just not proven to be the case really Um, a couple of away games in London recently West Ham we didn't turn up as Sean said that was really poor I felt um, with West Ham's problems at at the Olympic Stadium they were there for the taking if we'd really had a good crack but it seemed like we were playing for a draw and when you do that you're always liable to get done Um, it was a bit of a soft penalty in the way Probably was a foul on Heaton before it was given, but those are the things that go against you when you're not playing particularly well. But we were better at Spurs. Um, 2-1 was probably fair overall. Spurs had a bit more quality in the final third, but we gave them a real fright, made them really play. And I was impressed with our performance there. So no surprise really that we then put in a very solid performance against Borough. I think all our wins have still been by. Um, one goal apart from one so we could do with killing teams off a bit more but it's pretty comfortable that puts us above Middlesbrough in sable, the table six points clear of the radiation zone now despite being one of the worst three teams in the league so yeah all pretty happy at the moment
1: yeah also one of the stranger news stories of late was you re-signing joey barton after his yeah. uh, failed expedition up north uh and now he's come back and is now facing fa charges in england what's going to happen there? And are you glad that you resigned him?
3: Yeah. I'm delighted that we resigned him. I think as soon as it, it went south for him at Rangers, it was always on the cards that we'd give him a route back into the Premier League. It's unlikely that he was going to have a lot of offers from Premier League clubs, I think it's fair to say. Um, but, yeah, I think leadership's one of the things that we've lacked in certain games. Certainly away from home, whenever we go behind, it feels like it's game over. Um but Joey Barton's the sort of character who won't allow that to happen. Heads aren't going to drop when Barton's on the pitch because he'll be picking people up. Um, and although he's got a very mixed record, shall we say, in terms of disciplinary, his time at Burnley he was absolutely faultless, even though he constantly had opposition players trying to get him sent off, trying to wind him up. He was totally zen while he was playing for us. Um, the FA charges is obviously a concern. I find it a bit weird because... He'd been quite openly tweeting about having bets on football a few years back and no one had done anything about it. The rules apparently changed a couple of years ago. You used to be able to bet on bet on games that weren't in competitions that you're not involved in. Um, and then they changed it so that all betting on football is not allowed. It's not clear whether the bets are on competitions that he plays in or just other competitions. Um, but obviously the, the scale over a 1,000 bets... It's it sounds like a lot, but over ten years, I think it works out about two a week. So <laughs> I, I don't know what to make of it really. I think Scotland they've handled it a bit differently. Obviously, he's got a one match ban from their investigation. The English FA seems to have been giving out fines for betting on football instead. I think Demi Calis and Colback have both had quite big fines, um, but not been suspended um but andros townsend was banned a couple of years back for betting on football wasn't he so i don't know what's going to happen to be honest hopefully um it'll be a big fine and if anything a really small suspension i think if he if gets more than a, a three four match ban i think we'll probably pull out of signing him because it's just no point signing someone who's not gonna be able to play for a month um so yeah just wait and see what happens really yeah. he was at the turf yesterday so obviously um he's still involved and we're just waiting to see what the FA decides as an appropriate punishment. It seems to me like he just genuinely didn't know
2: because otherwise he's an idiot. (laughs) I mean, we've got, we've had a few people that have got gambling addictions and I think the FA should look at this, that, you know, a lot of these footballers are addicted to gambling. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's not that, you know, they're never winners. I can tell you now, there won't be any footballers who say we've won money on gambling from from betting on our own matches, you can you can be sure that people like Joey Barton and there's there's a there's there's probably a, a hundred more players have a gambling addiction and they spend tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands, um, on their gambling addiction. We had a card poker card school at uh, at West Ham, um, and uh, some very famous names lost all their wages on the coach trips on away games um so I, I i think joey barton should have our sympathy that sounds a bit weird about joey barton i know that does but <laughs> yeah. I, I see gambling's addiction and, uh and yeah the i mean should, i wouldn't should... like to
3: speculate whether barton himself is addicted but i think it'd be naive to think that other footballers aren't betting whether it's card schools or betting on football whatever it is it, it obviously will be it's not just going to be joey barton um my concern is that the FA decides to make an example of him because he's got such a bad record mm. because it's such a massive number of bets. But, yeah, like, if, if you you're football, though, you've weeks. got so much downtime. Two, two a week, exactly. Like Most yeah. football fans probably have similar, if not more. I mean, I'm yeah. sure Barton Stakes are more than our one-pound hackers on the weekend, but, yeah... It... <laughs> It's it's unlucky on our point because it looks like it's going to be the second time this season that a is going to be banned for something that happened years ago, before they were a Burnley player obviously after the Andre Gray thing um, but that's, that's just how it goes sometimes, obviously Barton's broke the rules and if there's a punishment to be handed out there's a punishment to be handed out but it seems like a bit of a daft rule to me If it's not betting on a game that he's playing in or a competition he's not playing in I think it should be allowed, I think the rules are a bit too strict
1: I think they're just trying to avoid a fine line. It's easier, judicially, to just be like, no, (laughs) on the whole. Um, Moving from that to one last Burnley thing, Andre Gray gets on the score sheet. Just how important uh, to your survival could he be?
3: It's vile. I mean, at the start of the season, I think people looked at our squad and went, if they're going to stay up, Andre Gray is going to have to get the goals. Um, Obviously, the, the suspension is wiped out the first half of his, his season really um, when he came back he didn't get straight back in the team, when he did he looked a bit rusty, his confidence maybe took a hit from just being out of the game really it turned out because there was an international break in the middle, a four match ban it worked out it was about six weeks he was unavailable for so he wasn't very sharp when he came back he was obviously feeling his way back in you've got to remember as well, this is a guy who was playing in non-league about three years ago it's his first season in the Premier League it's a big step up for anyone um, so he's found it a bit tough to adapt. But I, I felt like his goal against Borough really showed off what he's all about, taking it early, trying to surprise the goalkeeper, getting lots of power behind his shot, and although Valdez probably should have saved it, I think he deserved it for for making him make the save. I think a lot of goalkeepers would have found that one a tough one to stop. But yeah, it's going to be crucial. Um, his pace and power are going to cause problems for teams. I don't think we set up to give him the service that he needs a lot of the time. I'd like us to uh, maybe mix the midfield up a bit so that it's very much designed to give Gray the sort of balls that he wants. Um, but yeah, you need goals to stay up. Gray's a goal scorer, so if he can get towards double figures, I think we're going to have a very good chance. And he's a, a streaky sort of striker like a lot of them. That he tends to score his goals in bundles. So I'm quite hopeful that he'll go on a nice little run now and we'll be able to put his bad tweeting behind us. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I wrote an article a few years back now um, about goal scores for recently promoted teams. And up until the year, I wrote that uh, every team in the last 10 years that had a goal scorer score more than 13 goals stayed up. And then Charlie Austin ruined that. But assuming not too much has changed, that could be kind of the watermark uh, along with, you know, whatever it actually is. What is it, 38 points now? Everybody used to round to 40 and all that stuff. Yeah. But just another thing to kind of keep an eye on is if Andre Gray can really catch fire for you.
3: Yeah, well, the last... The last two times we've been in the Premier League, I think our top goal scorer has been Stephen Fletcher with 7 or 8, mm. Danny Ings with 8 or 9. So it's obvious that that's been... And it looked a like Ings was going to
1: get there, but then he cooled towards the end of the season.
3: Yeah, I think with Ings, all the speculation about his future probably was a bit of a distraction. But again, we weren't giving him the right service. So I think if we tweak our tactics a little bit, Gray's going to have some more confidence now after scoring a winner. I think he's got every chance of, of being the man who can fire us to to safety this season, yeah. Mm.
1: And I think your squad is a lot stronger than it was last time. Is, is that?
3: Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Okay. Definitely.
1: I, I thought so as well. I just realized I blurted <laughs> that out and would look really foolish. Yeah, well, it
3: says so. a lot that at the minute Stephen Defoe is not in the team. And, and
1: you're still being able to perform that way.
3: Yeah. yeah. It's the first, first win we've had without him, but the fact that we've got a player of his quality and we're able to just play him in whatever games we want at the minute rather than he being the first name on the sheet, that shows that the depth that we've got is... By far and away better than we've had in the Premier League before.
1: And when he comes back in, he can be, quote, like a new signing, TM <laughs> yeah, <I hate> that. <laughs> but,
3: I yeah, he'll play against Sunderland because Jeff Hendrick's suspended and I think De Martin's injured, so uh, Sean Dash isn't gonna have a choice but to put him back <laughs> in for that one.
1: Fair enough. Uh yeah, for Tottenham, not much has actually happened. We have not played any of our holiday fixtures yet, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh I don't think uh, I've been. I don't think we've had a show since we re-signed Hugo Lloris. Obviously, that's massive for us. I think he's uh, pretty clearly one of the two best keepers in the Premier League, uh, so that's massive. Maybe a little bit more surprising is we also signed his deputy, Michel Vorm, uh, to another one-year bumper contract, which I think pretty much kills the Paul Lopez deal. We brought him in on loan, uh, I think, with the intent to buy him eventually. Uh, Pochettino, of course, knowing him from his time at Espanol. You gotta imagine that if he had impressed, we would have been fine with Vorm walking at the end of the year, signing uh, Paul Lopez on a permanent, although it wouldn't stun me if this is just Levy's tactic of lowering the price on Lopez by saying, oh, we already have an in-house replacement, so if we don't get him, that's fine. But if you lower the price, maybe. Uh, but still kind of strange nonetheless, considering Vorm has not played a single match. Oh, that is untrue. Luis got hurt at the beginning of the year. And Vorm actually looked pretty good in those matches, but... Um, yeah, we, we do not rely on Vorm anymore. We don't rotate the way we used to when we were doing Europa League. Uh, so very surprised to see him sign on the dotted line. Next up, probably going to be uh, Toby Alderweireld. There was that whole news story that ran for about two days about the fact that Toby could be gone for $25 million. And from minute one, I was saying that that wasn't likely uh, and that Daniel Levy had never put a um, buyout clause in any of his players' contracts. Some very reputable people, by the way, out of Belgium, saying that it activates in the summer of 2019, which is very strange, but nonetheless, we are not in this crazy time crunch uh, to get him extended. And all the words from his agents and from Tottenham both sound like uh, he does want to stay long-term, and why wouldn't he? Um, With the... oh crap. I think uh, with Chelsea's defensive record, we're now the second-best defense in the Premier League. Garbage. Um, but he also gets to play with a few of his mates from his IX days in Ericsson and Jan Vertongen. So, uh, pretty fun time for him at the club at the moment. So, look forward to him being the next on that conveyor belt of signed contracts at White Hart Lane.
0: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either.
1: All right, and uh, we mentioned this a little bit in the last show, but I thought why not give some more guests the chance to talk about what their favorite moments were in football in 2016. We'll start with you, Sean.
2: So, actually, I'm glad you said 2016 rather than this season. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, for sure. (laughs) Because most of them are going to be last season. So let's start. I've picked five moments. Let's start with the 2nd of January. Uh, last year or this year actually because it, obviously it's not the end of it when we did the Liverpool double so we had to wait 53 years uh, to beat Liverpool at Anfield which we did in 2015 um, but we beat them at the bowling ground uh, to achieve the double on the 2nd of January and fast forwarding just a month later on the 9th of February we did the treble over Liverpool by beating them, knocking them out in the FA Cup so that was our last season at the bowling ground um, and, and two big, you know, it was Slavin um first season in charge. It was our last season at the bowling grounds, as you call Upton Park. Uh, and we, we did some giant killing that year. I mean, we we were up to second at one point. We were in the top four for a lot of the first part of the um, first half of the season. Uh, we fell away, obviously, to seventh. And, of course, who I couldn't really mention this without talking about the 2nd of March 2016. Do you know why that is, Kev?
1: Uh, is that when you completely outclassed us, technically?
2: Yeah, we yeah. beat you 1-0 to ruin your title hopes. I think uh, I think that was a defining moment. There, thereabouts. So, yeah, it was the first week 1-0. when Leicester
1: dropped points and we didn't follow, yep. and, and we didn't capitalize.
2: We completely, as you said, technically outclassed you <laughs> and, and beat you 1-0. So, yeah. uh... The, It's it's a time that I remember. Um, And and then, of course, fast forward to the last game of the season. Uh, You'll probably remember it for bricks being thrown at Man United's coach. But actually, it was a momentous day. Uh, The last day at the bowling ground, uh, we were paying Manchester United a fitting end. Uh, We had fireworks on a rainy day uh, with a Cockney reject singing drunk. Uh, You won't know who they are, Kev. And, uh, and and amazingly, it was an um, absolutely thrilling game that we won 3-2 against Manchester United, the last kick of the ball uh, in the Premier League at, at the bowling ground, and we said farewell. Um, and, and, and as I look towards this, you know, uh, August and this season, there's not really a lot. I'm, I'm not going to talk about, you know, wins against Burnley and Hull and and, and Bournemouth um, because really we we haven't done that well. You know, a draw against Liverpool not so long ago. And as I just said earlier, you know, the the back of a three back to back wins on Sunday, on Boxing Day, was a big thing. But the one last thing I'm going to leave you with, and that is Mikel Antonio, who we signed from Nottingham Forest, has now scored more goals than James Vardy in 2016. (laughs) And I it's, a, it's an interesting stack and it's true so, most headed goals uh, Ma- in
1: 2016 as well
2: yeah so uh, Antonio has scored 8 after he scored on on Boxing Day um, which takes his total to 15 into 2016 Jamie Vardy has only scored 14 um, which is the same as Fermio for Liverpool as well so there you go um, I, I dedicate 2016 to Macau Antonio
1: Fair enough. And Jamie, i got to imagine part of it's promotion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm pretty sure Vardy wouldn't
3: swap the championship for scoring more goals than Antonio right? Like, but yeah, <laughs> watching Burnley win the, the championship title at Charlton, obviously a massive moment. We've been promoted a couple of times in the last few years, so being promoted is a bit old pat now. It's not that big a deal anymore, but to win, to see your team win a league, not the big league, but to win... Ali league it was just incredible and Burnley played Super Bowl on that day as well it was a big win fantastic atmosphere um a bit of a shame that they gave us a plastic trophy to celebrate with because apparently health and safety meant we weren't allowed the real one um but it just added to the day in a way that it was very Burnley a bit high fast situation and the parade afterwards we ran out of medals so Joey Barton didn't get a medal he is been he our left, best right? player. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> why he left. Um, he only came back because they promised to get him a medal, apparently. Uh, <laughs> it's a so sign yeah, bonus. It's just a <laughs> <the> medal. <laughs> yeah, you get your medal. Um, so there's something very Burnley about the, the whole thing. And going 23 games unbeaten to seal promotion and the Championship title was obviously very special. It's an achievement that teams are going to find it very difficult to follow. Um, from a Burnley point of view as well, this season beating Liverpool at home was the sign that we can compete at this level. I think it gave everyone a big confidence boost that that we were going to be able to cause a lot of problems for teams. It was a massively deserved victory. We famously had about 19% possession in the game, but still controlled it very well. Liverpool barely had a chance despite having all the ball, and we beat them quite easily in the end. And Considering Liverpool have since proven themselves to be extremely dangerous, scoring an awful lot of goals, to keep a clean sheet in that game was huge. Um, But from a non-Burnley point of view, I mentioned it at the start there, Leicester winning the Premier League title, it's just something that we're never going to see again, something like that. A team coming from nowhere that had been in League One five years ago or something, when Claudio Ranieri is the nicest man in football officially. It's just, it still sounds bizarre, doesn't it? You hear people refer to Champions Leicester and you're like, Leicester Leicester won the Premier League. It's just bizarre. So my favourite moment by far was seeing Ranieri and Wes Morgan lift the the trophy it was just sensational so as a fan of a smaller club to think that's possible you start to feel like the top four and all this rubbish about all the same teams having all the success all the time but I think Leicester have shown that it doesn't have to be that way they're showing it in the Champions League as well and one way it continues that smaller clubs can continue to upset the odds and Lastly, for me, Iceland's success at Euro 2016 as well. Although, as an English football fan, it was obviously hugely disappointing for us to lose to Iceland. Um, Again, to see an unfancied team from such a small nation as Iceland to play with such heart and belief, confidence and skill as well. I think they lit up the tournament, really, and fully deserved their run at the tournament. So, that's it from me.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I've already touched on this uh, the last time, but uh, just the fact that we were even in a title race, regardless of whether or not it was the West Ham loss that derailed it. Uh, was pretty spectacular. Making the Champions League, even though we didn't really do anything with it, was frustrating, and I agree. I thought the Euros were absolutely splendid. Uh, All right, now we're going to have a little bit of double duty here in player watch. Uh, First, we are just going to talk about uh, the players that impressed or disappointed in your most recent fixture, but we'll also touch on a position that may need to be improved or a player that you think could be added in the January transfer window. We'll lead off with you again, Sean.
2: Yeah, so, uh, I I mean... uh, I, let's start with the Swansea match. So, obviously, uh, we bought Andre Ayou, uh from Swansea. Uh, he's he cost he was a record signing over over twenty million pounds. He got injured at his first uh, kick. Well, not kick, but you know, twenty minutes against Chelsea on the first game of the season. Um, and we started to wonder when he came back from from injury. Uh, he hasn't done much. In fact, he's he's not really found himself into the first team. But, you know, it's always a motivation to play against your old team, isn't it? Um, and he repaid that. You know, he, he came on against his old team and scored his debut goal. So, um, you know, big up to the man. Hopefully that's going to open the floodgates now because, you know, we need some goal scorers. And he was, you know, he was played by Swansea as a striker. And I hope, you know, he can, he can provide some support to Andy Carroll. You know, it was good to see Andy Carroll back on the score sheet again. Um, and I think Payette was playing his bit, and, and Antonio as well. I've already mentioned Antonio. So, um, you know, we're, we're, um, we're, we're starting to score the goals again. I know, I know Swansea are very poor, and it will, will really matter to see what happens when we play Leicester away. And it's interesting you mention Leicester, uh, Jamie, because, you know, here's a team that won the Premier League last year, and this year they're struggling. Same manager, so the, the, all this thing about sacking managers and managers make all the difference. You know, Ranieri hasn't changed. You know, one player, one key player is left, and the team are, are, are struggling this year uh, and could find themselves in, in a relegation dogfight. So it just shows you, you know, everything has to be in in the right direction, and uh, and, and one key player can make all the difference. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I think now we've sort of steadied the ship at the back. We did what, let one goal in. I'm more happy. Um, we, we've been a bit like Burnley. We've not been scoring enough goals, and to score four goals on Sunday uh, was was good. I still remain a bit critical with some of my players. You know, uh, don't think Mark Noble does enough uh, a lot of the time to always warrant his position. Geoti is is not um, the man he was last season, and Pyatt's a bit hot and cold. You know, you can look at it and say yes, he makes creates the most chances. Yes, he's, he's scored a couple of important goals, but I do wonder whether we're missing a trick. And I know he's a tremendous player, but we seem to have built our, our team around him. And he, if he doesn't turn up, then we really have no plan B. So um, some West Ham fans are saying, you know what, if a big offer came in in January, he's not hearts are not in it. You know, he's done all these interviews saying, I won't close the door, then let him go and reuse that money and reinvest it. I, am for one, wouldn't want to see him go. But uh, we saw this last season. He's a bit hot and cold. You know, sometimes he looks a little bit sluggish, a little bit off the pace, uh, and then that affects us as a whole team. So, um, um, strange one to criticise. But, yeah, um, I think Payet doesn't always turn up. That said, I think he did turn up on Sunday. And, and that shows it by by the 4-1 result. Moving on to the transfer window, um, I still think we need a goal scorer. We're, we're looking to ship three out and get three in. So, you know, it's been a disaster, let's be honest, for Simone Zaza um, from Juventus. Uh, he hasn't taken to the Premier League. He has been given chances. It's just not worked for him. Mm. We did a deal if it got to 14 uh, um, appearances we would pay him or Juventus 20 million euros we're not going to take that risk now and we're going to try and ship him on maybe to Valencia uh, the same with uh, Abaloa from Real Madrid uh, had a massive falling out with uh, Slavin Bilic apparently cackled at a training match uh, and really hasn't seen the bench ever since really I think we we needed to use him once uh, but, you know, great head on his shoulders, great professional, um, but, you know, undermined the manager's authority. And I think he was on a season loan. He'd be shipped out. And then um, and finally, another one that hasn't worked is um, Jonathan Caleri from Argentina.
1: That, that was always a more no. of a long-term move, though.
2: Well, it wasn't because they wouldn't give it. You say a long-term move. He was only on a year's loan and they wouldn't give us an option to buy. They oh. quoted us eight, 80 million pounds. Yeah, that's why we walked they, I, away. And and you say, well, what, what you know? And some people would say, well, why did you take a chance on them anyway? If they wouldn't give you, you know, they quoted eight million, eighty million pounds, and you go, no. So that hasn't worked. I think all three of them will be shipping out. We want to get three in. Uh, we need a right back. Uh, m- maybe Carl Jenkinson might return. Uh, I think we'd be looking for a, loans. We're looking for. Uh, we're looking for British and Premier League experience. Uh, and we'll see what we can get out, you know, get hold of. So, uh, Snodgrass has been talked about. Um, we've talked about people like Sturridge, Carlos Backer is back in the news. Who knows? Uh, we need a good goal scorer um, that we promised last season we never got hold of. And so Zaza is not it. We need a really good right back because no disrespect to Sam Byron from Leeds, but he's not quite up to it yet. He, he's had a long injury, so we need a good, solid right back. And I think we need um, some cover for centre-back as well, good centre-back. Uh, we, we made a mistake when we let um, James Tompkins go off to um, Palace. Um, and I think, you know, James Collins, he's, he's great with his passion, but he hasn't got much. His legs are gone. He hasn't got much left in him. Uh a Bonner and Reed are good, but but we need another solid um centre back. You know, Kiarty has been in the defence lately and it's starting to uh to show because he really wants to be a midfielder. So that they're my they're my three positions, a centre back, a right back, and a and an out and out goal scorer is is where we need to strengthen in January. Uh
3: Player watch, I think Ben May had a very good game against Middlesbrough not always been the biggest fan of of ben me i think he's a bit a bit basic in his defensive skills he's very good at blocks and headers and booting it clear but he's not a very subtle defender and i suspected that you'd maybe need a bit more to your game to be a premier league defender so far this season he's proven me wrong quite happily um it was our first clean sheet since october i think ben me was a our best defender by far on the day. Tom Heaton didn't have anything to do, really, and that was partly because Ben Mee had such a good game. Um, It wasn't a very good match. There weren't a lot of outstanding individual performances. Obviously, Andre Gray, we talked about earlier, scored a very good goal, made the difference in the end. That's what we paid money for. Um, I saw a few people saying that he didn't do anything apart from score. Like, Well, hello, that's what we pay him to do, so that's fine by me. I don't think anyone was really disappointed either. It's still not really working out for for John Flanagan. He played because Matt Lawton was suspended, so Flanagan got another chance at right back. Weirdly, I think he's played in six Premier League games this season. We've only lost one, but he's not really played well in any of them. Um, So it it seems like a bit of a quirk of the the win ratio system. Um, But yeah, he struggled a bit again. I suspect Lawton will be straight back in for Flanagan. And I wouldn't be that surprised if he went back to Liverpool, to be honest. His loan spell's just not really working out. I think back's still a bit of a problem position for us, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was where we were looking to strengthen. Um, in terms of other arrivals, I don't think we'll be looking to do a lot of business. We, not one of these clubs has a huge turnover of players. Um, Key will be holding on to our star names, really. Um, I imagine there'll be clubs interested in players like Heaton. Anyone who needs a goalkeeper in the Premier League has probably got an eye on Tom Heaton, whether it's as a number two or as a number one. I can't see him leaving to sit on a bench somewhere, so it would only be if he had assurances that he was going to be first choice that I could see him leaving, especially since he's captain and he's from the local area, all that stuff. I think probably hold on to him for a while yet. The other one who's obviously going to be linked with a lot of clubs is Michael Keane firmly believe he's going to play a lot of games at the very top level play for England a lot of times but he seems to have his head screwed on and understands that right now the best thing for him as a young defender is that he plays every week and let's be honest at Burnley he's going to have a lot of defending to do so if you need to learn defending Burnley's probably got a place they to do it at the moment. Um, Chelsea have been linked with him, Manchester United have been linked with him I suspect he might well go to one of those clubs but at the end of the season I would don't think I'm too worried about him going in January unless someone was going to offer really stupid money for him. Um in terms of buying players, we're not going to have an awful lot to spend. We never have an awful lot to spend. Um Barton's arrival adds a bit of depth in midfield, but I suspect we might still want another central midfielder, particularly if the murmurings over Stephen Defoe being unhappy and wanting to leave um come to fruition, we'd certainly need to replace him. Um a player we tried to sign repeatedly in August was Dale Stevens at Brighton. His contract's up at the end of the season. I think he'd probably still be open to a move but Brighton seemed determined to hold on to him so we might have to wait until the summer if we're still interested in him. We also tried to sign Kamil Grzycki Renwinger. Um, on deadline day that one fell through because ironically after what we were talking about earlier apparently he's got massive gambling debts and we were told we would have to clear them as part of the deal and backed out after that. <laughs> Um, another typical Burnley story that these things don't seem to happen to other clubs. Um, but I, I still think a quick, tricky winger would be on the agenda, although Sean Dyche likes his wingers to do a lot of tracking back and running up and down. So it's difficult to find a player who does all that and still has the pace and quality in the final third. I think there's just not a lot of wingers like that around and certainly not in our price range. But if we can find someone who's got a bit of a spark in the final third... That would be lovely. And a goal scorer. (laughs) Every team in the league wants someone who's going to score regularly. Um, I've got a lot of confidence in Andre Gray, but we don't have a lot of depth up front. Sam Sam Boltz has done okay this season. He's got four so far. He's not scored for a while, though. Ashley Barnes puts himself about as a big handful, but he's not going to score a lot of goals. And Patrick Bamford, Dyche doesn't seem to fancy him for some reason. Again, he might well go back to Chelsea early. (coughs) Excuse me, his loan spell's just not worth it, so it wouldn't surprise me if Bamford left and then we tried to replace him with another striker. But I don't think there'll be a lot of goings on at Turf Moor, maybe a couple out, a couple in, if that.
1: Yeah, uh, for Tottenham, I don't really think we're going to see a lot of movement. Although I don't, I wouldn't be stunned by a Vimmer loan deal. I saw that Southampton are a team that's sniffing around, which is very surprising considering that's where Van Dijk plays and he's one of the best center backs in the Premier League. I think Wolfsburg makes a lot more sense, especially if we were able to put a recall clause in there because basically he's just cover for Vertonghen at the moment, and as long as Vertonghen stays fit, I don't really think he'd get a chance. Although now that we're in the Europa League, he could. Uh, factor in there. Oh, the reason I'm not talking about players that impress and disappointed is we still haven't played any matches yet. Um, So just dove right into the transfer stuff. Um, We do have Kieran Trippier, who's also not really getting a look in. As I mentioned with the Vorm thing, we aren't really rotating that back five the way that we were last season, where we basically trusted everyone and just let them move back and forth. So uh, I'm sure Jamie would not be too disappointed if we uh, gave him at least a loan back to get him some minutes. Um, but I really don't think we're going to see much. There's been a lot of rumors floating around about Ross Barkley and Frank Kessie, who I think are both long-term Dembele replacements. I don't think we really go for either right now, but I think it just indicates the club are aware. You know, Dembele is getting a little older. We have a very young squad, but uh, Dembele, Vertongen, and Larice are the oldest uh, players at the club. So just with an eye on the future, thinking about maybe doing something like that. I think Kessie is a player that, Is very analogous to what Dembele does, just a lot younger. But the way he addresses the ball in a way to uh, shield the ball from any uh, incoming challenges is is very reminiscent of how Dembele uh, tries to muscle out everyone in the midfield. And I think that would be a a good addition in the long term. But, I mean, we have winks coming through already. And I'm still desperate for us to sign a midfielder that can actually pass the ball. Because right now, of our central midfield options, Harry Winks is the best passer of the ball. So I'd probably like to see someone like that brought in before someone like Cassie. Although, I do realize that Pochettino keeps saying that without Dembele, we can't play uh, the Tottenham way at this point. Um, But it's still just insane that we don't have anyone that can really pass the ball from deep. Uh, And really have failed to ever replace Modric in that regard. We briefly and foolishly thought that Paulinho was the answer to that. Uh, Obviously was not the case So do hope we address that sometime soon I could see us potentially bringing in Another winger except That we still have this Erickson Ali dilemma Where we need to get them both on the pitch At the same time and there are only so many spots To do it Um, And we've been without Lamella for the better part Of two months now and haven't really Seen any Massive issues there. We brought in Sissoko. I'm just not super sure that I trust him to start, although he has looked better of late. Um, And Kudu's looked a lot better. We have NG out on loan, and he keeps scoring goals in France, although I'm starting to get the feeling that maybe he's just one of those players that needs to be in that league. Kind of similar with uh, Florian Thauvin, who was amazing in France, awful at Newcastle, and is now doing pretty well in France again. Um, But yeah, like I said, I, I wouldn't really expect too much action from us. Maybe some loans... Going out, uh, if anything. But uh, even Pagetino said he wouldn't expect much, and if anything, it would probably be later in the window once uh, some of the dust had settled. So uh, from there, we will head into uh, match previews, where we're quickly going to look at the upcoming matches for each of our teams. Uh, I suppose I will lead off since uh, we're the first ones that, or we're the last ones to play uh, in this current match week. Although, as you're listening to this, it may have already. Uh, Come and gone there, but We're going to be playing Southampton away Which is obviously a very tough task We're both top three defenses in the Premier League at the moment Uh, Harry Kane not really doing The business for us at the moment, looks like he's been A step off uh, the pace Of late, but maybe this break Will have given him a a bit of a chance to recover In that regard, Erickson Has been phenomenal lately, Della Ali Finally looks like he's turning a little bit uh, Into the form that he showed Last season I think we see Hyung min Sun in this one as well. Pretty much the, the standard starting 11. As I just mentioned, we do have three of those quote-unquote older players. I think is the only one that's even 30. Uh, but uh, I think we'll see the majority of the starters in this one. If, if Sun does not play in this one, I think that would be because he'll play as a forward uh, on the second Uh, If not, then uh, who knows? (laughs) But I don't think we're going to see much rotation. I think pretty much first 11 stuff from us here. I would have been very confident playing Southampton uh, without Charlie Austin if we had not just seen J-Rod finally show up after two years of injuries. And um, I I always say I I don't like people uh, praising injuries, especially or, or even if it happens to their rivals. I, on the other hand, am very glad to see that Jay Rodriguez, after all of his injury woes, has finally returned. Uh, I obviously would not like it if he scored uh, against us, especially considering all the rumors that were floating around, what was that, 2014, when he was in and around the England squad? Um, but anyway, very very pleased. I think it's a very good story to see him recover from that kind of an injury. Uh, but I, I think we should have the better of them there. Although, uh, Sofian Buffal. Uh, this could be a really on-the-down-low revenge game. Tottenham were heavily interested in him before he got hurt at the end of last season, so he basically dropped our interest all summer. Southampton weirdly seem to have a, a chip on their shoulder against us. They, they constantly berate Pochettino whenever we travel there, which I think is very strange considering what he did for them. Although, considering we've seen two managers do basically the exact same thing since he left, maybe he really didn't do that much for them. Uh, but I would expect to see us... Uh, pick up the win there a draw wouldn't be the most frustrating thing as i mentioned their defense is terrific and harry kane has not really been firing but i'd expect to win i'll say 2-1 all right coming next to you jamie you're going to be facing sunderland on new year's eve they're going to be visiting turfmore where we already know you play well <laughs> although sunderland despite having just lost have looked better the past few weeks what do you think we'll see in this one
3: yeah they have looked better you're right but all the good results seem to be at home um away from home they just don't seem to have the stomach for it at the moment um, I saw a bit of their game against Man United and it's scored good goals Man United but the second and third someone were giving the ball away so cheaply midfield um, the way Burnley pressed I think we'll be all over any of these passes and they were sort of 30-40 yards out like really dangerous areas losing possession you can't do that in the Premier League because teams will punish you So I think we'll really look to to put pressure on someone in possession. Uh, They don't have a lot of quality in central midfield at all. So even though we might be without Hendrik and Marnie, our first choice central midfield unit at the moment, I suspect DeFore will come in. And it's a real opportunity for him to shine with not really being in the team for the last month or so. Um, Also, apparently Jordan Pickford is a doubt with a knee injury. He's obviously been someone's... Outstanding player, maybe, this season. Him and Jermaine Defoe are their best players, so if he's missing, it's a big blow for them and maybe an opportunity for us as well. Um, They concede a lot of goals, and We don't score a lot, but I think our strikers will be rubbing their hands at the chance to play against their defence, which has just not really looked up to it this season so far. Um, And, yeah, our home record is, is superb. Six wins already. We've only lost to Arsenal and somehow Swansea. Um, Although that was the opening day of the season, so maybe a little bit of uh, nerves contributing to that one. But yeah, we're very solid at home. After beating Middlesbrough, I'm quite confident about this one, actually. I don't know what Daesh is going to do in terms of rotation. I suspect they'll ask players to go again, and then if they need a rest, they'll get rested at Man City on the 2nd of January because we don't expect to get anything from that, it's a bit of a freebie for us, so if players need a rest that looks like an obvious game to to rotate a bit so there might not be a lot of changes Loughton will be back at, at right back hopefully Marnie will be fit to play with De Four in midfield, Sam Voltz might come in up front, He set up Gray's winner against Borough with an excellent flick, Voltz and Grey were obviously terrific together last season so might be an opportunity to reunite them as well And Johan Goodmanson is fit again. He missed three or four weeks with a hamstring injury, came off the bench against Borough, so he might be fit to start as well. But it's another big game for us. Matches against teams around the bottom are always going to be crucial if you're in a relegation battle. And although we are... Six points clear at the moment. We're obviously still targeting 17, so it is a big game. I'd argue that the pressure's off a little bit after beating Borough. If we were to draw against Sunderland, it wouldn't be a massive disaster. Although, obviously, a win would um, it'd be fantastic. It'd be a great Christmas present to get two home wins over the, the festive period. So, I'm confident for this one. It probably is not going to be much of a, a spectacle. Two teams scrapping towards the bottom. But, like I say, Sunderland give teams a lot of chances and I think we'll punish them I think we're ruthless at home we've picked up results when we've not had a lot of the ball, I suspect we'll have more of the ball against Sunderland just because they keep giving it away and I'd be pretty disappointed if we didn't win to be honest although I'd probably take a draw right now
1: If you did win, you'd be on 23 points, just about halfway to safety. Would you be more confident? I mean, (laughs) it's a win, so obviously you'd be more confident. But how about just on the whole, are you confident of your chances right now?
3: Yeah, pretty confident at the moment. Um, My only fear is that the home form can't keep up. But if it does, I think we stay up. Um, 40 points is the target. We're probably not going to need 40 points this season, but we're halfway there already with a game to spare so I'm pretty confident um, we are going to need to get some results away at some point there's no doubt that um, you can't you can't just get all your points at home so that's a little bit of a concern but for now as long as we are winning at home probably not too worried about it Um, it's going to be one of those seasons where you just have to hope there's three teams worse than you you look at the bottom half of the league and all the teams in the bottom half are quite bad. So it's just a question of how bad the three at the bottom are going to be. Um, at the moment, Hull and Swansea look pretty gone to me. Obviously, Swansea have, have got rid of Bob Bradley today, so um sort of depends who they go for, but their squad doesn't look up to it. Hull's squad doesn't look up to it. So at the minute, I'm thinking it just needs to be one other team that we can be better than. We're definitely more equipped for it than we've been in the two previous times we've been in the Premier League. And from the position we're in right now, I'd be quite disappointed if we were to go down.
1: Fair enough. You already touched on the City matches. Is that pretty much wrap up your thoughts on that one?
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean...
1: Rotation, don't expect to win.
3: <laughs> yeah, we've got quite a good record there against City, to be honest. Uh, I think in the Premier League last season, we drew home and away um, with City. So it's not necessarily anything to be massively scared of um and they've won at the turf this season the third team that's beat us at home. I forgot about that one. But I think they are quite vulnerable. I mean, even against Hull yesterday, they won 3 0, but if Hull hadn't like given them a penalty for nothing, they were holding on quite comfortably. City just seemed like a real work in progress to me. And again, defensively they give away a lot of chances. Players like John Stones they think that they're Bobby Moore or something. So yeah, it's it's a freebie for us. If we get anything there, it's a massive bonus. But, yeah, not really expecting anything from that one.
1: Fair enough. And, Sean, you are going to be facing uh, Manchester United. Nope, that's the next one. <laughs> uh, you're travelling to Leicester. Right. Uh, reigning champions and relegation candidates, Leicester City. Uh, they're very up-and-down team. What are you expecting?
2: Well, great time to play them. Um, you know, they've lost again. They've dropped down to 16th place. They're three points away from the relegation zone. Um, And, you know, as I said earlier, same manager, mostly the same team. It shows you how it can all come off very quickly. and, And they're down on confidence. And, you know, confidence breeds success. And, you know, I think confidence will be high among West Ham because, you know, three back-to-back wins, however we won it, and, and particularly the last one, 4-1, one, convincingly, they will fancy this. They will fancy going up to the King Power Stadium and getting a result off Leicester. So I really do fancy a fourth back-to-back win uh, to, to put more misery in, in Leicester after they did so well. Um, I mean, some people have talked, you know, distraction of the Champions League, Everyone getting their BMWs or they all think they're big time Charlies now. They've got their, you know, Premier League medals. Who knows? But the wheels have come off uh, and, and we, take, we want to take every advantage of that and get another win. And um, as you say, uh, we're then on to Man United on the 2nd of January. Um, anniversary of doing one over on Liverpool, as I said earlier. You know what? Pyatt raises himself to these big games. And with the exception of uh, Arsenal where we lost 5-1 and completely surrendered, um, we usually raise a game. And I'm hoping it will be more Liverpool-esque uh, when we recently drew 2-2 than the 5-1 surrender of Arsenal. So it will be one or the other. <laughs> it will be a complete annihilation and Man United <laughs> will turn up. Or, or it will be a tight game that we get a draw or, or just nick it by a goal. Uh, i i don't really mind uh i think the concentration is on winning the leicester game um and then and then we'll see what happens with man united and of course uh a few days later um we then got um man city in the cup so uh you know anything can happen there in cup games so yeah it's it's, it's going to be an interesting uh new year and uh you never know. We could win all three of them, and uh, I will certainly be happy, Hammer. Then Are you, you know going to win a great the league. <laughs> uh, I think we've left it a bit too late to win the league Shame this uh, year. <laughs> Are you going to win the league this year? Uh, Kevin? God no. Um, one uh, kind of last
1: question. I, I forgot I was going to ask you earlier on in the show. Uh, Sam Allardyce, A.K.A. Allardici, appointed at Crystal Palace. You have any quick takes on that?
2: Well, it's a strange one, isn't it? One West Ham manager out, one West Ham manager in, because obviously Alan Pardew was a West Ham manager. Uh, I I rate Pardew as a manager. Um, In my view, I mean, you look at the quality in the team and you think, you know, all right, they weren't going to go down. They really weren't. Mm. Um, There's worse than them. So they weren't going to go down. So why couldn't they carry on? But instead, they bring in... Let's be honest. Uh, uh, someone who keeps teams in the division, he does what he says on the tin. He it will it will return to direct football, which Palace has been known for with with Pulis, um, and uh, Holloway. So, you know, I'm just thinking, why? And and do you know, even more bizarre. And I, I wish some a Palace, um, the Palace fan you can go in. Um, Jay would. Uh, does he still come on, Kev? Yeah. Jay? yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I wish Jay would answer this. Palace fans seem delighted about it, and you go, "What? Well, I think, just, I think they were football. just. They were super
1: done with party. They, they have really? the worst defensive uh, record in 2016 in the Premier League.
2: Yeah, I, I and I won't Sam it. fix I mean, that? Course... Isn't that
1: like the thing that'll change?
2: Well, yeah, but, but 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 hang on a minute. Sam will not be saving them. You know, Sam didn't need to save them. You know, he's not pulling off a, a Sunderland here. You're going, well, Sam, of course, we'll keep them in the division. I mean, how is
1: right? in 17th. I, I agree with you that they probably would have stayed up anyway. But, I mean, I don't think it's yeah.
2: uh I mean, they got Benteke. Come on, let's think about it. They've got Benteke. they got Townsend. They've got Kabai. You know, Zaha those three really players alone. Yeah. And Zaha. You know, four really core cool players there. Now, no, no one can say we can never go down, because West Ham haven't been in that position. But you're thinking, they've got the quality there. Will Sam get the best out of those players? The flair players of Kabay and Zaza, you know, and um Zaha, rather. And you're thinking, mm, I don't know. I mean, I won't say anything against Allardyce. Um, you know, I didn't always enjoy watching his football when he was West Ham manager, but he did what he said. You know, he got us up. He got promoted, first time of asking. He did it the hard way. He kept us in the division, okay? Our time ended with him because there's only so much Sam Allardyce football you can watch, right? You can't watch it for 10 years. Well, certainly as a West Ham fan, I couldn't. Um, And I'm just surprised Palace fans are so over the moon. You know, if, if it was Sam Allardyce coming in for a rescue mission, I'd go, absolutely, 100%. Sam will do what he said and then move on and do it for the next person. But they see, is this a forward step for Crystal Palace? My my answer is no. I don't I think agree. it is a I forward step. I think it's a
1: temporary thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very quickly wrapping up uh, these match previews for Tottenham. I think Watford, it, it, it's actually really interesting because there, there's a huge debate in American sports, uh, well, Two American sports I like, maybe not a whole lot of other people like them, but in baseball or in team tennis, which happens uh, in high school and collegiately, uh, where you have a choice between either playing your best players against their best players, so in baseball your best pitcher against their best pitcher, uh, or in tennis your number one against their number one, or do you maybe bump up the rotation to guarantee yourself a win elsewhere? This is the question that I have facing Watford and Chelsea, obviously. Uh, we do not like Chelsea very much, that uh, yellow card fest at the end of last season. Certainly evidence of that, if you needed any. Um, but we have Watford uh, in between them. And so, while, as a competitive person, you would rather see your best against their best than see who comes out on top, Chelsea are in devastating form right now. And I think if you... I'm not advising this, by the way. But I think if you looked at it strictly pragmatically kind of as uh, Jamie was mentioning about their match against Manchester City, although obviously the team levels are a little closer, I think there could be merit in playing our best 11 again against Watford, turning them over, getting the three points, and then putting out, you know, not a horrible lineup, but most of the second 11 against Chelsea and seeing what happened. Maybe you get a point, maybe you don't, but at least you're three points higher up. Unfortunately, maybe not unfortunately, but I just think, it's likely that we go the other way that we wrest a lot of people against Watford as I mentioned. Maybe see Youngman's son up front. Jensen has just returned to training. I think this may come a little too soon for him, but if not, maybe see him up front uh, and then play your best eleven against Chelsea. Heck, it worked two years ago when they won the title uh, and we overturned them at the lane. I think that was five three uh, by the end of it. I think Andrews Townsend had a penalty. Danny Rose scored. That was a that was a pretty strange one, but. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say to expect that, but I am uh, interested uh, in hearing people at home uh, what your opinions are on uh, maybe targeting an easier fixture instead of focusing on what is indeed a rivalry match. All right, uh, we are out of time for today now, though, so if you guys would like to tell the folks where they could find you, now be a good time.
2: Yeah, well, as I said, I'm on Twitter, at West Ham Football, if you want to give me any grief or anything I've said against your team uh, on this podcast, <laughs> and I, if if anything to do with West Ham, I write for Claren and Hugh, which is info. we bring all the West Ham news, also write for a West Ham blog called West uh which has got a lot of the opinion pieces, um, and finally, I'm also a podcast host on a podcast called more than just a podcast.co.uk, and that's more as in Bobby Moore, M-O-O-R-E, and that's me, and thanks for having me, Kev.
3: I'm Jamie Smith, Um, you don't want to follow me on Twitter, don't recommend that at all, Um, but you can listen to my (laughs) podcast, Uh, I host Burnley FC podcast, no name ever. Um, that's at net. we've also got a kickstarter so if you'd like to pledge there's a few quid Jim who does the podcast, this podcast with us quite often has donated a few quid so if you're feeling generous and Christmasy please feel free to donate to that you can find us on Twitter at noneinever.net and, and I also bog on Burnley for ESPNFC as well
1: Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at KevRuff on Twitter. You can also hear me on the FPL Roundtable on this very same channel. You can read some stuff of mine over at TheEaglesBeak.com where I talk about fantasy. I also do DFS videos now for VIPBet.com, so go check that out. And uh, these shows often go up on AllInSportsTalk.com. Although I think we missed our window this week because this is a delayed recording. Uh, But very glad to have spoken with these gentlemen. We hope you have a very happy holiday season. On the whole, and uh, I do not think we're going to be back over the weekend. We were going to try to fit it in. Don't think that's likely. But we should be back recording next Wednesday, which means the next full show of this should be up Thursday the 5th. I just thought you guys would like to know what's going on with that. But again, thanks to these guys, and we hope you keep listening.